Good morning, if you will. My name's Simon, if we haven't met, and we are in the final week of our mini-series, very mini-series, called Hope, Peace and Purpose, uh, as we prepare to begin this course called Hope Explored, beginning in just a few weeks, over a few Monday nights, uh, happening in May, which I'll be uh, speaking about a a little bit later on. It was the 15th October 2019, I woke up to discover I was another year older and my brother and sister-in-law knew that I'd participated in some triathlons over the years and at this point Bonnie and I were planning on moving up here and so what better birthday present than to pay for half of my registration for the half Ironman in port. Couldn't believe it, the adrenaline kicked in straight away, it's something I'd always wanted to do. I was looking up training plans, I was counting down the days until this event in May 2020. However, just a couple of months out from the event, something called COVID happened. Uh, It happened to postpone the event until September 2020. So I eased back training for a while, took a little bit crazy and then ramped up training again right before the event uh, to wake up to an email hearing that there'd be another outbreak in Sydney and up here. And so the event was postponed once again until May 2021. I relaxed a bit, ramped up training again, March rolls around, COVID doesn't seem to be as widespread as it had been 12 months previously. But then a once in a hundred year flood happens on the mid-north coast and the event's postponed until September. Couldn't believe it. Ease back training, start ramping up again, August rolls around. I wake up one morning to read an email that uh, the roads hadn't fully recovered and the river was still a bit dodgy, so the race, it wasn't safe for the race to go ahead. So it was postponed once again to May 2022. You are kidding. A few months passed by, uh, the race is still going ahead, but I realised that I haven't left the couch in about six months. Uh, so I postponed the event. It was a went ahead. I uh, said, I can't do it. I've run out of motivation and determination. It just can't, can't happen. Uh, side note, Thanks to my very gracious wife, I'm planning on racing in two weeks' time, pending no natural disasters or worldwide pandemics. Uh, But back in 2019, I was filled with drive and determination and purpose to get as fit as I could to try and finish this Ironman race as fast as I possibly could. Fast forward three years later, all those cancellations, I'd lost all my drive, all my determination, all my purpose for even entering the race. We're in our final week of this mini-series, as I just said, as we explore the hope the Bible speaks of in Jesus, to know this hope and to experience this hope. Uh, If you're still exploring what this means, can I encourage you to come along to these few nights, Monday nights in May? But if you do know that hope, can I encourage you to think of someone, to pray for someone, to invite along to these Monday nights uh, as we explore this solid hope that we have in Christ? Last week, Travis spoke of our solid hope that we have based in the unchanging truths of Scripture and the character of God, as well as the peace of God uh, that we have through Christ. This shapes our whole lives today. It's not just knowing about this peace, but it's experiencing this peace, which bears fruit through our lives, like that pomegranate tree, which is going really well up in the McNamara's backyard. Uh, It makes real life changes today. Thinking about purpose, though, Where do you look for, or where do you look to for a sense of purpose? Is it building a successful career? Is that where ultimate purpose is found? Or is it pursuing happiness, 
traveling the world, kind of living day to day, just pursuing whatever makes me happy? Is that where ultimate purpose is found? Is it raising a family? That seems all right. Raising a family, is that where purpose is found? Or even leaving a legacy, uh, leaving a legacy for your kids and your grandkids, uh, is that where purpose is found? We all want our lives to mean something. We all need purpose. But the reality of death makes us wonder, what's the point? In our 21st century Western culture, we tend to deal with the problem of death in three main ways. We either deny it completely, we downplay it for now and kind of pretend it's in the background, or we totally despair about it. But to find meaning and purpose in life, we need an answer to death. Career, happiness, family, legacy, they're all really good things, but what's the point if it all ends in death? Paul uh, speaks or addresses this uh, with these truths that we celebrated just a couple weeks ago uh, at Easter. Here's what he says in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where a death is your victory, where a death is your sting. The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Because Christ has conquered sin and death forever, you now have purpose in this life, and that purpose is to live for Christ. The world tells you to anxiously strive to make a name for yourself, but God's word tells you to build your life upon Christ, the solid rock. All other ground is sinking sand. And once we kind of get that, once we understand that, we begin to see ourselves as part of a story that meaningfully involves me, but isn't all about me. Solomon, who wrote Psalm 127, uh, he gets this in his search for purpose. He says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. If God isn't involved, it's all in vain, meaning it's just empty. Solomon has time, he's got money, he's got intellect to search for meaning wherever it could be found. And in Ecclesiastes, he says this in chapter 2, verse 3, I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens during the few days of their lives. He goes on in that chapter to say, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor. And this was the reward for all my toil. Yet, when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Solomon can walk into any room and he's the man. Uh, he's got incredible wealth, incredible experience and intellect. And yet, when he surveyed all he had done, it was just a chasing after the wind. He says, nothing lasts, everything I've built will fade away. So what's the point? What's the point? In this psalm, it speaks of building for the Lord uh, and watching over the city, so like preserving things. Uh, and it addresses the things that we do on a, on a daily basis, whether that's uh, our jobs or caring for the kids or grandkids or preserving the garden or just these projects that we undertake. So many of us are building and planning ahead. If there's one thing you're going to take away, uh, this is it. 
Your building is a complete waste of time unless the Lord builds it. Your building is a complete waste of time unless the Lord builds it. Think back to the the start of the Bible, Genesis 11, story of the Tower of Babel. We read this. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. God saw what they were doing, confused their language, scattered them all over the earth. Though they built, God was not in it. Alternatively, you may build, complete something amazing, uh, but then you pass away and you leave it for someone who just wastes it. Solomon addresses this in Ecclesiastes 2. He says, For a person may labor with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, and then they must leave all they own to another who has not toiled for it. This too is meaningless and a great misfortune. I can recall uh, one of my grandmas passing away just a few years ago. Incredibly sad and stressful time for the family. But what baffled me was uh, heading to her home that she'd lived in for, for years and all of these items of her home that were so key, uh, I can remember going over yeah, as kids or as, as grandkids and just playing in the backyard and seeing these tables and chairs and, and items in her home that she treasured so deeply and worked so hard for that were just passed into the back of a ute and taken to the tip and just thrown out and that was that. We can't take our belongings with us, but one thing will follow us beyond the grave. Uh, And we hear this in Revelation 14, as John writes, Then I heard a voice from heaven say, Write this, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, they will rest from their labor, for their deeds will follow them. Your labor for the Lord will follow you into eternity. This idea of everything we do mattering eternally, if it's done for Christ, is the conclusion of Paul's letter in Corinthians. Uh, As we heard, read out from Judy, always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. The first time I understood this as a young Christian, it suddenly clicked that the resurrection gave me hope beyond the grave. That meant that death no longer zapped my life of meaning. Nothing was in vain. Everything I did did could be part of something uh, that would last beyond my brief life. I now had a purpose to live for because I had a person to live for. And there's a test in Psalm 127 to see if we believe verse 1. It goes on in verse 2. Solomon writes, he says, In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. The test is whether we go to bed at night and how well we sleep. Can you see that there's a contrast, sorry for this typo, it's meant to say, oh, no, thank you, Mr. Chin, there was a typo, but he's all over it. Um, There's a contrast between the fruitless strain of self and the relaxed but not slothful fruitfulness of the godly. Are we to rise up early and stay up late toiling for food? Well, we may get up early, we may stay up late, but we must not be driven by a sense of stress and anxiety because... We must see that in all of our toil, God is the decisive worker. Unless the Lord builds the house, unless the Lord watches over the city. So he's the decisive worker that enables me to put my head on the pillow because he's at work. Solomon isn't rejecting hard work, but what he is rejecting is the restless, frenetic activity of the life of someone who doesn't reckon the involvement of the Lord. They think it's all down to them. 
This is the independent worker who burns the candle at both ends, the workaholic, the person who doesn't just work from 9 to 5, but 5 a.m. till 9 p.m. They never turn off the screen. They're always attentive to it, answering emails at 3 a.m. On a day off, they never put the phone down. Solomon says, this is madness. Can't you see that God created you and sustains you? You get each breath from him. What sort of denial are you in? We must see that in all of our toil, God is the decisive worker. It's not just about us. We don't carry the world on our shoulders. Uh, Verse 2 can be translated as, He provides for those he loves as he grants them sleep. This means that whilst you're sleeping, God is busily at work for you, providing for you. That's how much your Father in heaven loves you. A guy called John Mark Comer from... uh, the States in Portland, he, he writes this in one of his books, Garden City. He says, God can perform more good for those who trust him while they sleep than they can perform with anxious labor for themselves while they're awake. What a reason to lay my head on the pillow. Have you ever wondered why God made us in such a way that we have to sleep away a third of our lives? God could have designed humanity as always refreshed and rested and never needing any sleep, why did he decree sleep to be part of the human experience? Maybe he wants to give us a universal reminder that we're but children and he is our provider. We're so frail that we have to become helpless, unconscious, blind and weak every day in order to live. Sleep is terribly hum- a terribly humbling experience. We're never more weak, we're never more childlike than when we sleep in faith. Hasn't God said that my power is made perfect through weakness? And unless you become like little children, you will not enter the kingdom of God. It's all about dependence upon him. Uh, Sleep isn't easy for many of us, and I get that. Um, It's often a struggle for many people, and that's okay. A guy called John Piper, a pastor in America, reflects on his time as he struggled with sleep. uh, And here's what he says. He says, even my reasoning about why it was futile to be anxious kept me awake. The solution finally came in the form of a scene that I brought before my eyes each night. I was on a boat in a rough sea, and the crew was working with frenzy to keep the bow into the wind and secure all the cargo. As I climbed down into the small hold of the ship, there was Jesus asleep on the cot. There was no tension in his face, and his head rocked back and forth with the waves. I walked over and shook his shoulder. Jesus, I can't sleep. Please help me. He got up, slowly moved uh, to the end of the cot and sat down. He motioned me to lie down. Then with his hand on my shoulder, he said, I'll take care of you tonight. Don't worry. I'll be sure you're ready for what you've got to do tomorrow. Piper says, I can't tell you how many nights I went to sleep in that position, but there were many times that's what got me through. And he still goes there when he can't sleep. For he grants sleep to those he loves. God's a builder who loves you. God's a watcher who loves you. In his love, he yearns for you to get rest, to not be driven by anxious toil. So as you lie down to sleep, embrace being loved. We sleep at night knowing that he's at work building, he's at work watching, and so we don't carry the weight of the world on our shoulders. Rather, we hear the voice of Jesus in Matthew 11 as he says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, 
and you will find rest for your souls. Yes, it's a heavy yoke. Yokes are heavy, yet they sit on your shoulders. You're supposed to pull, but Jesus says, learn from me in all of your building and your protecting. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. What does this mean for us this week? Um, you may be thinking that to build a life of the Lord, you've got to be a missionary or in ministry. Wrong. Colossians 3, Paul writes, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Uh, there's a great book that uh, Bonnie got at the end of last year called Every Moment Holy by Douglas McElvey, which provides liturgy and prayers for many, many ordinary moments of life uh, as you commit them to the Lord. So here's a sample of the list of the ordinary things, things like washing windows, changing nappies for the hurried preparations of a meal, for home repairs, for the welcoming of a new pet, for the ritual of morning coffee. Your purpose in life, your purpose this week is to live for the Lord in whatever you do, whether it's something so ordinary like buying groceries or paying bills or washing the dishes, surrender that to the Lord as you seek to glorify Him through that. Uh, Bonnie and I have been to uh, three weddings in the last month. <laughs> Got invited to, to four, but could only attend three. And I love, something I love about weddings is speeches. Uh, I think it's just such a, a great moment, um, just celebrating family and, um, and the joy that is. One of the weddings we're at, the father of the groom quoted Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house. Uh, this, the dad, a very successful man, built an incredible career, legacy, family. Um, however, he doesn't love Christ and he doesn't live for him. Uh, I found it fascinating. His son does, but, but the dad doesn't. And when I heard this, I wondered, does my life make much of the name of Jesus or much of the name of Simon? What am I building my life upon? Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Nothing you do for Jesus is wasted but a life with no regard for Jesus is wasted. So invest now in eternity. Let me pray for us as we close. Father, we thank you that a life built upon Christ, a solid rock, is not wasted and will last for eternity. We thank you that you grant us rest and we don't have to anxiously strive to build a life for ourselves, but we can build our lives upon you knowing that you are at work even as we sleep. And so we pray that we will surrender all that we do to you, seeking to not live for our brief life, uh, but for eternity. In the name of Jesus, it's in his name we pray. Amen.